Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips-Russo. This is the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program, and uh, this extension program is part of Penn State University and Cornell University. Uh, we are here today to uh, bring you an update in phenology and some other things that go along with discovering the path of phenology in 2022 in terms of trying to manage the timing of what you do this year, at least as we know it so far. Um, we're still very early, but we do have an update. So uh, I think we'll get started with the update and then we can see where the discussion goes. So so Jen, where, where are we at? I see something green behind you, but it doesn't look like any concords I've seen yet this year. So, so where are we at? Yes, if you are looking on this in video, there's a picture that I just took today of a Marquette block. And that block is a little more than an inch out that you can see. But our concords, especially in the phenology block that we've been monitoring, <clears throat> excuse me, for decades that we've done at both in Fredonia and then when we moved to Portland at the Claro, the Cornell Lake Erie Research and Extension Laboratory in Portland, New York. We have a certain dedicated block that has sentinel vines that are all different types of pruned. So there's balanced pruned and then up to 120 buds and they go through and check different vines while well, those same vines in that block every year. And then as soon as you have 50% pink, 50% of the pink edges of the leaves showing on the Concord buds, we call it bud break. That happened yesterday. That's not to say that yours isn't further out or behind than that. I don't think many are behind, but I have been actually quite over the region this morning, we went to about six different vineyards and I was checking out buds and all of them and that they, most of them are bud break and beyond. <clears throat> so do you have any questions about that? Um, I, do you, do you know how that compares? I mean, I, we don't really, I don't think we completely track in detail bud break, right? Historically, as yes, much so. as we do bloom. We do. All right. Let's and we have our historical phenology on the LERGP website. You can view that at any point in time. But our average bug break over the last 40 years is May 4th. So we are four days late on our bug break. And that sort of lines up a little bit. I don't, well, maybe I do actually. I've never really checked growing degree days. Do we have average growing degree days on here? Growing degree days from January? No, because that would be maybe it says 134. I don't want to guess at this. Sure. But it said we had 134 growing degree days. And currently, right now, for the Portland station, we're only at 67. So the way we get our growing degree days is it's off of a base 50. So any day after January 1st, it's above 50 degrees Fahrenheit. You take that amount and add them up to give you your, your growing degree days. It's a, a cumulative throughout the year. We're only at 67 right now for Claro. Yeah, and growing degree days can be pretty useful if, like behind you, you've got Marquette. And when Marquette was a new variety, it got planted in a lot of places where people were not familiar with growing grapes. So there wasn't a lot of phenology data about other varieties. And growing degree days can really fill some of those gaps in knowledge. If you don't know a lot about the variety or uh, the region, um, I think, you know, probably in California, maybe they don't, I, I'm not exactly sure about California, but 
but when you have these focused areas that that focus on something like we do in the Lake Erie region, we can do a lot better than growing degree days. But it takes data and it takes uh, tracking patterns. And, and now, you know, I think I think um, Dr. Bates is working on a couple of different models, and he's been working on one or two models for a while. Um, but those kinds of things improve prediction well beyond growing degree days, which are, um, you know, are something probably historically more useful for insects. But that, but um, you know, we had a viticulturalist here in the region, and if you work with us locally here, you probably remember Luke, and he did a lot of work with growing degree days in Minnesota and some other areas where they just they just didn't know when to harvest, they didn't know how to time phenology because they were planting a lot of new varieties in different areas with different climates and growing degree days could go a long way to help guide them in terms of like when should you even go out and scout because it it was just I mean you couldn't use a calendar because nobody had used a calendar in the past so um, we are you know to me the ninth looks like something that you might think of as an as an average bud break date even though Jennifer mentioned it was the fourth because we've seen that bud break date move up and our growers are, um, you know, our growers are, have a lot of experience. And if you recall how you manage things in the eighties or nineties, this is an average bud break. And I think the important thing that if Terry had a chance to be here, he would say is it doesn't, doesn't really matter uh, one way or another, because what really matters is bloom. And so we'll see where we get to with bloom. And I think that's my next question for Jennifer, if you if you've got that information, what are we doing to what is Terry doing to predict bloom this year? So every year Terry does look at the lake growing degree, degree days, and I apologize, it gets a bit noisy here. So if I cut in and out, it's because I'm trying to <laughs> spare you guys from hearing all the chaos in the background. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> it's just so, real left behind her. Ay ay ay. So Terry looks at the, when I say lake growing degree days, we're talking about Lake Erie because we are approximately a mile and a half from Lake Erie at the station. And at the current lake degree days accumulation, that's 262. This is as of May 2nd. He makes it in the beginning of May every year. The Concord bloom at Claral was predicted to be for June 12th, 2022. So this prediction model is, it's performed well in 2021. So he predicted that it would be on 6.8 and the actual bloom was on 6.7. So if other years that are close to this year that he's been following with those late growing degree days would have been in the year 2004, 2005 and 2008. So I'm not sure if everybody can recall back to those dates what was going on or what the rest of the year looks like. But he said, remember that only about 40% of the variation in the data can be explained in late growing degree days. So, Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing I would add, and I think I touched on this last time we talked about phenology in the last podcast, um, it's great to have a late bud break as long as everything catches up, because from a disease management perspective, it makes everything easier. So we are less than if this prediction is exactly correct, which I don't expect it to be because that's not how it's designed to work. But if it were, we're less than a month away from Trace Bloom. So we've got time to put on three sprays in very close intervals. Uh, and, you know, we don't have to stretch intervals. If you try to put on three sprays and stretch inter intervals, your immediate pre-bloom spray is going to be a post-bloom spray. Right. Um, so 
I don't know when we're going to have to start spraying, but it's obviously going to be soon. Um, for Concords, you're, you're looking at three inches of shoot growth, and they don't look like the Marquette that, like Jen mentioned, if you're watching on the video, look like probably almost an inch. Uh, There's is that a, right? The Marquettes are out more than an inch, I would okay. say. The picture looks like an inch, but it's a picture. So we'll call it an inch and a half or two. Uh, but um, yeah, Concords aren't there yet. And, you know, it's really hard to, to predict when they will be there really precisely, because obviously it depends on how close the, you know, forecast and temperatures are over just the next four or five, six days. Uh, but it's obviously going to be fairly soon. And what that means is we're going to have well under a month to put on three pre-bloom sprays if that's what the management strategy is. So, you know, certainly three is a nice number to have. You don't have to stretch your intervals. The other thing that happens is one would hope that we will get better weather with less um, infection periods because you're in, you're in the middle part of May. You know, we all know that April, if buds are out, is either, you know, you're either terrified of frost or like, let's say there isn't a frost. Um, it's going to be cool and wet. And hopefully at, towards the end of May, we don't have that kind of weather. We have something that really facilitates shoot growth, not disease growth. But obviously, you know, that's just, I'm just talking about averages here. Obviously things can go different for three or four days and you can have stunted growth, lots of infection periods, all sorts of bad things, but but on average, things are better when things are later for, for bud break. So we'll see how sure. that goes. In regards to the growing degree days, um, if you follow our crop update, and I know that they've just sort of really started, we do them weekly during the growing season. We've been doing them all year long, but we do them weekly during the growing season. So I put in some information and some tables and graphs that were shared by Dr. Jim Myers. He puts them out and he uses no, um, no, I believe it's NOAA that he uses. So the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, their national weather forecast to get some information out to us. And he tracks them over the last five years. And for growing degree days, currently I told you we are at 69 as of yesterday. And the five-year average for this, this date is 112.6. So we're quite far behind what we've done in the past five years with growing degree days. The year that we are closest to, it's certainly not the, the latest one. So 2020, we only had 52 on this date. But we had in 2019, there were 72. On but, this but also not to be pointlessly contradictory that's like four nice days right yeah really <laughs> so i mean well, we had yeah, that's why i said like let's worry about bloom and forget about bud break later the bud break the better the earlier the bloom the better if they could be a week apart that'd be great <laughs> right and i know that's not possible we know we need we need development that takes longer than a week but i would rather hope for nice weather now than try to hope for an early bud break and avoid frost. So, so hopefully this is all actually a good thing, not a bad thing, oh, yeah. um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, the lake, lake temperatures are lower, so that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be a drag on sort of my hope of nice weather. Um, but, but it doesn't have to be, you know, they're not so much lower. They're a little bit like those air temperatures you've been talking about or, or regular growing degree days. It mm -hmm. could 
fairly quickly catch up if things turn around for say six or seven days? Well, if you think about it from last year, just in the perspective of we had those frosts and freeze events and the one happened on May 8th and May 9th last year, those secondaries that pushed caught right up. Right. It was hard to tell the difference between the secondaries and primaries of where it was. Even at bloom, right? I mean, yes. we expect secondaries to catch up by Verasian, but if they can catch up by bloom, that's mm -hmm. that's just fine. Um, anything else on phenology before we move on? I don't know if there's anything we left out. No, uh, just their average rainfall. We could talk about that a little bit. For the last five years, we're just about spot on. We're at 16.8, and over the last five years, averaging at 17.0. So let's... 2017, we were almost at 23 inches at this date, but okay. do you remember what the weather was like for that year? Not really. I don't. <laughs> no. I mean, I know some, it's probably useful information for some of our listeners out there because they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've actually heard mixed things about soil moisture this year. Uh, I've heard that it's somewhat unmanageable. And I've also heard that it's actually not that bad. I don't know if it depends on the site or what's going on, but. I think it's a little bit of both. So it was really wet. People, there was no way people could get into some of those vineyards at the right. beginning of last week. Mm -hmm. And walking around this morning, you're going to find somewhere you have to leap over a puddle to walk around. But I didn't have squishy, wet feet all morning long. It was pretty well dried up. Right. Some of the areas, not everywhere. I'm not saying that's everywhere. And obviously on gravel ground, it's going to be less soil moisture than on the heavier clays. But. Um, it does sound like in most of the region, we're starting to see most acreage get pruned one way or another, maybe not to the quality that people wanted. Um, there was some doom and gloom a couple of months ago. I, you know, in some ways I sort of figured, you know, people tend to find a way so far when it comes to this labor shortage for migrant work. And it's not necessarily a good thing that we continue to find our way over the long term because, because like I said, even if most of it's pruned, it might not be pruned the way we want it to be pruned. And right now we're growing a pretty high value crop. So it would make sense. But I, you know, I fully appreciate what growers are growing going through because, you know, like I want to do stuff too. And sometimes it's really not at least in this moment of our economy, it's really not a question of like money or recruiting. It just, it just isn't, you know, you call somebody to do something and they just don't, it doesn't matter how much you are willing to pay. <laughs> so, yeah. and you know, we see that a, a lot with goods and materials right now. Um, but we're also seeing it with labor, you know, there's, um, uh, you know, I would say anything you want to get, you should try to get it. It doesn't really matter what it is, um, but if you're going to need it, you, you better get it. Um, it's funny you should say that because I have been out in vineyards all season long, especially collecting the bud hardiness. And there were some pruning crews here and there, but it was few and far between when I would see some. And then just today when I was out and I think I went to six different vineyards this morning. Now, keep in mind, it's four o'clock in the afternoon now, so we have to drive all over the regions. <laughs> there were three sets of pruning crews out there. And in are you half of the vineyards I went to? That's actually not a great sign. Were they really pruning? They were pruning. Okay, so I've seen some renewal work being done already. So I was hopeful that maybe you saw some crews doing some renewal work. But if they're still pruning, they're still pruning. Yeah, they're um, pruning. We'll get there, I guess. Um, 
but there was renewal work and there was a lot of posts. There are a lot of posts down, especially on some of that heavier ground when it frost freezes and pushes them right out. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most post work is done by the owner operator or full-time crew. Right. So I don't, there's not as critical of a labor shortage there, but, but it's there as well. I mean, it's not, it's not like it was when I started this job, we had sort of a unique opportunity to convert a lot of the migrant work. If you use technology to help to say full-time workers, because there was a surplus in the area, unemployment rates were fairly high, uh, especially in the local area. So you could just find people. Um, you know, I think, I think there were struggles to find those people. I, th but, but the growers that did a good job recruiting could find some pretty talented people. And that's not, that's not really easy at all to do right now. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, another example like drainage pipe, that was, we've have a lot of uh, growers considering investment in drainage that has been become difficult to get a hold of. Uh, you're looking at five week lead, you know, not you as in the grower, but the person installing it, they're looking at five, six week lead times when it was three or four days. Um, and obviously the price has evolved substantially as well. Um, and posts are another thing where the lead times are much greater than they were before. Uh, I would say a lot of growers that were not the largest growers could just find posts in stock. And now there's there's a lead time just to get them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, you, if it's something you really need, you just gotta get it. And we're seeing sort of on a macro level uh, where you know federal government measures different forms of inflation that it does not appear to be transitory. Nobody thinks it's transitory anymore. It's not going away next month because COVID is suddenly over. It is something that is now sort of baked into how the economy is working at the moment. Um, so to translate that into easy to understand, uh, at least from a consumer price standpoint and a producer price standpoint, we people were sort of hoping that, that um, April data was the peak at seven and a half percent year over year, and uh, May data was eight and a half percent year over year. So it's that trajectory of increasing inflation is still continuing. So obviously, it was not transitory; just like one high month and was going to go away. Right. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully this is consumer-driven inflation. That's what we're really hopeful for, because what that means is that they won't be sensitive to grocery store price increases. And if you've been to the grocery store, you can tell that consumers are not, I shouldn't say not concerned. They might be concerned, but but they're, they're, they're not sensitive to price increases in grocery stores in an economic sense. They're still buying the stuff. It doesn't We don't care if they're happy about it. Um, we just care that they are. So if that is the case, um, we could continue to see returns adequate enough to um, hopefully support the higher producer price increases that we are trying to deal with. Um, and, you know, hopefully we continue to get to get the kind of phenology reports that also help support higher price prices. Um, obviously, I think there's and we can talk, we can talk more about this in future podcasts, but we're not necessarily expecting 15 ton to the acre this year so <laughs> no we could actually touch on that because terry has said he um has an algorithm that he uses and to be honest with you i don't know what it includes like if you're going to ask me what does he use in that what are the sure. mm -hmm. i really don't know but he is projecting that we're going to have a 30 percent decrease 
in yields from, and you, I mean, you guys know that with your vines and you've seen it over the years and you've seen us present that jagged graph when you have higher crop on one year, the next year is going to be lower unless your vines are balanced, which is what we keep trying to work towards. So if you really pushed your crop last year, then you're going to expect it to be lower this year. Yeah. And I don't, like I said, I'm not going to say what is in there either, because I certainly don't know. But what I would say is, you know, he knows what I probably most growers know in a little bit more detail, which is, um, you know, we know how many acres are out there and we know how many tons came in as an industry last year. So we know that they weren't in balance last year as an industry. I mean, maybe as an individual grower, yours were in balance. I have no idea. Um, But as a, you know, I don't think his forecast is ever going to be as good as a grower could do if he was doing a good job forecasting. But if you're looking for information about sort of the context of the industry that you are producing in and what they are expecting to do this year, uh, that's sort of where this makes a lot of sense is the industry is going to have less crop and the data supports what would probably be your best guess if you were taking a wild guess. Um, And the number he has come up with is 30%. Did you say less or 30% less than last year or less than average? I missed Last that. year. Okay, so 30% less than last year, which would actually still be a pretty decent crop. Right. <laughs> and actually, so here it is. I wanted to read exactly what he came out with. So he said, our working crop load model also estimates about 30% lower average yield in 2022 compared to 2021. Right. So, yeah. So that's not average, even though you said the word average, uh, it's 30% less than last year, which was at least 30% more than average. So, (laughs) um, so I mean, so that's kind of like an above average to average size crop if it's right. And obviously it certainly doesn't anticipate anything going wrong, which could certainly happen as well. Um, but so that's, you know, I think what, how I would use that data is that is the industry that you're participating in and producing in. So that means, um, you know, it means things like that's probably going to be a four and a half week harvest, um, maybe five weeks if you go to the right processors, like the one that starts a week early and the one that stops a week early kind of thing. But each processor is probably going to be open about four and a half weeks. And, you know, there's other things you can glean from an average to slightly above average crop, but that's just one of them. And I think our growers know what things they can, what decisions that helps influence when they know what that crop forecast is for the industry. But, but I mean, that's how I would use it. I wouldn't use it for like my own farm. You can do better. Sorry. I'm trying to avoid the noise in the background. (laughs) And that part is definitely a different podcast because we will talk more about crop estimation in at least a month and certainly in two months. Yeah, definitely by the end of June, we'll be discussing right. what you need to yep, be doing. Exactly. Um, I, I actually think that's all we have for this week. If there are other things you want to hear about, please feel free to tell us. Um, yes, Jennifer. I'm sorry, I just want to remind everybody that if you are a member of the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program, you should have received your viticulture planning calendar. And that is the perfect data tool for you to use to be putting your own bud break date down in there. <laughs> oh, and the other thing, yeah, um, great calendar, but also in terms of reminders, uh, the 11th of May, so just two days from now on Wednesday, we have an evening coffee pot meeting. Our evening coffee pots uh, are not in person. All of our, our 
other coffee pots have moved back to in person. So you won't see us here live once a week like you did last year and the year before. But on the 11th, the second Tuesday, Wednesday of the month, we will be here. And what we need you to do if you want credits is to register for that coffee pot. Um, we do not have a lot of registrants. If that's because you plan on going to all the in-person ones and skipping the virtual ones, that's great. We don't care. If that's what you want to do, that's fine by us. But if you have just forgotten to register and you plan on attending and you want credits, that's more of a problem. Um, not saying if one person forgets to register, we can't give them credits, but we do have a capacity issues because of all the paperwork involved that DEC, more DEC than PDA, um, requires us to do. So please register for that if you do want credits, because we certainly cannot guarantee credits if you don't. Um, and if that's something you're interested in, we'll see you uh, on Wednesday the 11th. I agree. Thank you for bringing that up. Yep. And other than that, uh, we will be here again next week for a, a podcast update. So thank you all for joining us and feel free to contact us if there's something you want to hear. Um, and we'll see you. We'll see you later. Have a good week, everyone.